Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host and president of the Compassionate Friends, Alan Peterson. Hi, Alan. How are you doing, Dr. Gloria? Great. It's so great to have you on the show and have you as our co-host. And I want to remind people that we're partnered with the Compassionate Friends as well as the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation in helping people find hope after loss. And, you know, there are a lot of different ways about dealing with loss, Alan, and I know you're a musician and a singer, songwriter, and I have heard, you know, a lot of singing, songwriting, a lot of writing, but we're going to have a guest on today who does filmmaking, which I think is a whole different thing. Yeah, and not just uh, any filmmaker. He's a very serious filmmaker and has done some really prestigious things, and uh, so I'm very excited about the show today, too, to hear... um, you know, kind of to hear his thought process and, and, and what the whole process, uh, how it related to his grief journey. So it's going to be a good show today. Yeah, and I've been watching his film. His name's David Zeiger, and he is a Guggenheim Fellow, and he's a documentary filmmaker. He's been making him for 20 years, so he's not new to this. And his first uh, narrative feature is Sweet Old World, and that's the film I, was, I watched the other day, and it's drawn from his own experience following the death of his 9-year-old son. And he also has had some great success with his 1999 and 2000 series senior year, which was filmed at Fairfax High School in Los Angeles and was a landmark PBS broadcast in 2002. And his films have been seen on television and over 150 countries worldwide. Welcome to our show, David. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. It's it's great having you on. What what a different thing making a film so heart rendering related to your son. You know, in in the film, it, it's very interesting because uh, I guess you'd call him the lead character is an older man behind the camera, right? <laughs> yeah, a photographer. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Which which is very much mirrors a lot of my experience. The, the film is something that I had been working on for about 10 years on on the, the concept and the, and the storyline. And I drew a good deal from, from my own life, from my own experience, and from my reaction to my son's death and to the years that went on after that. Uh, my son died suddenly in uh, 1988, and I had just started kind of moving into photography as a new profession. I was kind of starting a new life at the time that he died. And I continued in the years after that as a photographer and started making documentary films a few years later. Mm. And Brian, the character in the film, is also a photographer. And one of the things that happens in the beginning of the film is something that was very directly coming out of my own life was that for the first couple of years after my son Michael died, Photography, which had been kind of a source of, of a lot of joy and a lot of comfort, became very painful. And I discovered I couldn't couldn't photograph people's faces. I couldn't even look at people's wow. faces through the lens. And I found myself exploring and photographing trash, abandoned buildings, uh, junkyards, railroad tracks. I, I, my connection, I, I felt a very strong connection emotionally with with all of the kind of the discards of the world that still existed but but were no longer useful. And I spent a couple of years doing that, and, and that was one of the things that I had Brian, uh, my character in the film, do as well. That's interesting. Uh, that's fascinating. Now, ha- can I ask, how, how did your son die? He died indirectly as a result of a car accident. He had had a, he hit by a car the year before, 
and had kind of nominal damage, had, had a broken leg and broken arm, but apparently there was undiscovered damage to his heart, and he had a blood clot break off and about a year later, very suddenly, and, and uh, he died about three days after that. Wow. Oh, so sorry. Well, David, you know, as as a you know, as, as a creator, I'm, I'm a, I was a songwriter when my daughter Ashley died, 2001. She died in an automobile accident, and you know, I can relate to what you're saying because our connection was music, and uh, and so the same thing that what you're saying is what was once so filled with joy became so painful for me as well. It was quite a process for me to eventually take that and, and make that part of my grief journey. And so, so talk a little bit about when did you get the original concept for the film or how did that part come about where you realized that you could take your kind of your grief story and, and put it out there? Well, I had done it originally uh, in a documentary that I made in the mid-90s that was kind of a personal story kind of started my, my work of, of, of filming teenagers. Uh, Michael had a brother, Danny, and when he was in high school, I spent a year filming in his school in the marching band that he was part of, which is where the whole marching band motif came from for the film. And it was an exploration on, on my part of kind of, you know, of, you know, the world without Michael and uh, what existed outside of me and what was going on inside and going on a little bit with Danny. And this idea of kind of finding new way to live, new joy in life in, right. in, um, in children who, who grow and who come, you know, come into the world and, become, and go through all of the, 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 the things that, uh, that, that teenagers go through became something that I was just, I, you know, spent a, good, a lot of time both filming and thinking about and writing about. And I also had had experienced, and I know this is a very universal thing, the, the moment, I think probably about two or three years after Michael died, kind of one, one evening when I, I, I came home and, and realized that, that, that I had not thought about you know, Michael for, for the entire day. Yeah. And this was the first time that it happened. And, uh, and this was not a, a source of joy. It wasn't, you know, it was, uh, you know, wasn't relief. It was kind of terror that I was leaving him behind. Could you tell me, just I want to stop you because I want our audience to know how long it had been when that happened. I think it had been maybe two years. Okay, good. I mean, because people are listening and they're, wow, that happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. I know this is a very universal thing, and I realized it kind of there was that moment where where I had to make a conscious choice in my life, and that you know a conscious choice to live and and to kind of, for lack of a better way of putting it, move on and and kind of find my life again. And were you still filming trash then? Yeah, and abandoned yeah. buildings and all that. So that's where you were. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then kind of that was somewhat of kind of a turning point in my life where I again turned my camera on people and I actually uh, ended up doing in the years following spent two years photographing I was living in Atlanta at the time and I was I began photographing immigrant uh, and refugee families that had moved into the area and, and that life and that actually became my first film it was called Displaced in the New South. But but that thought kind of stayed with me all along and I I, I wanted to when I started writing a fictional story, which Sweet Old World is, rather than just kind of follow my own path, I wanted to kind of explore someone who, at that moment, 
where you kind of have to make that choice of, of whether to, to live, you know, beyond right. the pain, that he couldn't make that choice. I wanted to kind of explore someone who simply couldn't do that. He, he turned more deeply inward and more, more away from life. And, and that's kind of where things start with Sweet Old World. And my goal with the film was to kind of explore even someone who had fallen that far, you know, how he, in very unexpected ways, Kind of finds his way back to back to life, and and that right. you know that it doesn't it doesn't come you know it never comes how you expect it. It never comes from the sources you expect it. It, it always you know it's 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 just like everything else in life. It 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 comes from left field. How cathartic was writing the film and filming it for you? I mean, what what was that experience like for you? Just in your grief journey, not even so much on the professional side of what you do, but what was that like? Well, it was it was very emotional and very intense, but also I guess you would say cathartic in the sense that I felt like the, the ability. And this was the first time I'd done anything uh, with fiction, and it actually, interestingly, and this this is both a professional thing and also very much a personal thing, and and kind of the the journey of making the film and what it meant for me emotionally. There were a lot of problems with it when we first when I first started editing, you know, and, and I realized that in the original kind of concept, I I hadn't really allowed Brian the opportunity to change. I hadn't given him the opportunity to to go through a process of changing. And we actually went back and, and I rewrote and we reshot a lot of it. And that aspect of it, kind of allowing him to have that ability to change was very cathartic to me. You know, it took what was largely a very painful movie and I think for right. me at least made it much more hopeful. So you actually wrote the script and produced it and directed it? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I have a I had a team with a wonderful producer who worked with me on most of my films. I drew on people who have worked with me on a lot of films and as well as kind of bringing in people, new people I hadn't worked with before. One interesting thing by the way my wife is a teacher at South Pasadena High School, and we spent a lot of time there. And I, I have remarried a few years after Michael had died. His mom and I had divorced a few years, a couple of years before he died. And I met Marianne, my wife, and she was a teacher, and and she's a teacher there at South Pasadena High School. And that's where we filmed. Uh, we did the film, and we had a, kind of a, a just a wonderful experience with the whole school. Uh, with the administration who very much welcomed it. And I used a lot of the students themselves just as themselves in the film. We shot a lot of it in the midst of what was really going on with the marching band and its football games and bingo uh, um, fundraiser. And it was a, it, it just was a great experience. It, it, we, did, we weren't Hollywood filmmakers in the least. <laughs> very, very uh-huh. large. And uh, what very, is uh, very much on the ground. What is response? What what kind of response and reaction have you gotten from people who watched the film? It's been largely very very positive. We did a series of uh, festival screenings a couple of years ago. I originally released the film or started taking the film to festivals in 2012, and we did several festivals. And you know, it was it's it's interesting. The response has been kind of. Not raucous, <laughs> to say the least. Right. Um, but but it's been very you know thoughtful, and people have really you know have talked to me about how much they were moved by the story. It didn't have to be people who have experienced this, and and that was my intent was to tell a, a fairly universal story to try to take this 
particular experience and make it universal. You know what? We're going to have to um, kind of wrap up in telling people how to get a hold of this, because now you've talked about it. Now you've gotten my interest up, and how do I see it? The film is available now uh, everywhere on DVD and video on demand. Uh, and if you go to the websites, weedoldworld.com, it'll direct you to uh, anywhere that you can, can get a hold of it. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, it's a wonderful thing. It is great that you've been able to take this and get involved. In, and it's been really good hearing about your process. Very, very interesting, because I know people need to hear about this, how people go from one thing to another to another. Don't you think, Alan? Yeah, I really do. And I think that people are going to find this uh, very interesting. And, you know, you put a lot of your heart and your soul into this movie. And so I hope it touches uh, lots and lots of people. And I believe it will. So uh, congratulations on doing the film, because that is a monumental task in and of itself. Thanks. And what a, what a great guest. Yeah. And thanks for being on the show today, David. It's been great. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And it's been a great experience. Thanks, David. Well, Alan, very interesting. I love all the creative things that people do. We've had people, as I said, writing and uh, people ice skating and doing all sorts of things in memory. But uh, this filmmaking is quite a process. And I, I liked hearing about David's journey, you know, going from looking at trash to displaced people and then moving on to students again. It's, it's really a fascinating journey. It is. And, I, and what I really love is a true professional, a filmmaker, takes a look at um, at the grief journey and tells a story. I, I, I think that's amazing, and, and I, I love to see that when our best musicians and our best filmmakers and photographers explore the subject of grief and loss and how it affects us in our lives, and I think he certainly uh, captured that. So um, I hope a lot of people watch his movie and are, are touched by it. So another good show today, Gloria. Yeah, we want to thank you for listening to the show today, and Alan, Heidi, and I always like to say to you, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours till you find your own. And God bless.